But what people are not aware of sometimes is that perfectionism is actually fear. Sometimes we try to perfect something because we're scared that if the rest of the world sees it and they don't like it, it diminishes our personhood. Hi, welcome to the Reveal podcast hosted by me, Denise Powell. Every season, expect candid conversations with guests from all walks of life and no question being off limits. So make sure you come along for the journey as my guests reveal the highs, lows and all that's in between. In this episode, I speak to Emmanuel Anthony, consulting and social media maestro. We got really deep and personal as he reveals about growing up in South London, overcoming a perfectionist mindset and how true entrepreneurship is really about service and selflessness rather than money. You're not going to want to miss this one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Reveal podcast. This is episode two. Um, The individual that I have with me is someone who I've known for over a uh, decade. Um, And this individual, um, yeah, we pretty much kind of grew up together and we've been around each other in different circles and stuff. So it's an an honour and a pleasure to interview you, Emmanuel. Um, uh, A few things to kind of note about Emmanuel. God-fearing, definitely. Uh, definitely a man who wears his heart on his sleeve. One thing that I can definitely say about you. And I think the third is, it's always love when I see you. Like there's never been a situation or a time where you've, I've seen you stress. I feel like I've always, I always see you smiling, always. So without further yeah, ado. Life is about living, right? So life is about living. Exactly. So, Emmanuel, tell me a little bit about you. For those who do not know who you are, tell us who you are, what you do. and So, my name is Emmanuel Dari Anthony. Um, some people call me Emmanuel. Some of my close family friends and those that have been in the Rami call me Dari, um, which is my um, West African name. Um, I run an online e-commerce called Anthony Manuel. And I also have just started, um, I've been doing consultancy um, independent of my own um, businesses and I've now converted a consultancy platform to an online one called Entrepreneur Advancer and okay. one thing I realised that for a lot of the startups the questions were the same but I actually got very bored of <clears throat> helping them with the tedious stuff so I'm like I want to get I want to get to the building and the vision side of things mm. and then I realised that I needed to record this stuff and also, so it's, it's, it consists of five modules on a sixth bonus module, um, which is about um, speaking and how to kind of pitch your idea. Because sometimes, whether people are kind of for investors or even just having a chit chat with somebody, it's so important to know how to position your business, how to speak well of your business, and how to let the potential client or customer understand what your vision is for that particular business. Because you never know. You never know. Even if they're not a client or customer, they might potentially share mm-hmm. that with another. Um, I'm also um, an assistant pastor at the Cornerstone Church, um, which I've been serving at for five years. It's been an amazing journey. 
So I'm juggling a few hats, juggling a few hats. <laughs> I run a few other businesses that are developing and I'm quite, I'm quite engulfed in so many different things, but we'll be here all day if I say that. I'm an avid Manchester United supporter. Yeah, but that's a whole other story. Let's not go down the fucking route tonight. Well, I'm not a massive football fan and I'm not really allowed to say who I really support, <coughs> Arsenal. Um because my husband is a Tottenham fan, but that is a different story and a different story for another day. God is really in the midst of your marriage. <laughs> he really is. He really is. So the first section that I call um, behind the curtain, behind it get down into like your childhood. How did you get into the industry that you are now? But then... You know, how does your childhood affect that? Or, you know, what were the things that you kind of got, went through as a child that then made you, you know, be a bit more robust or have a little bit of resilience? Like, what was your childhood like? Well, that's a great question. You want a short answer or a long one? Because we could be here all night. <laughs> and uh, an abbreviated, so not necessarily short. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible. Um, I grew up in Peckham, South East London. Um, I've never actually met my biological father till this day, um, but we've recently got in contact, so we'll hopefully reconvene and I'll get an opportunity to meet him um, mm. before the 2020, by the grace of God. Um, but, and I think growing up with a single mom, I'm the oldest of four siblings, and that's always been a, a journey for me, naturally, for anyone that follows me, Emmanuel Anthony on Instagram will see that within my bio, I've always put the part of the caption says the creative visionary. And I think God has always given me the creative gift of seeing things, whether we're talking about business, talking about business models, whether you're talking about design, cars, property, um, buildings, landscape, architecture, sculpture. To me, I always tell people, my mind is a bit like a mansion with many rooms and one room might be car design, another room might be um, interior. Another room might... So I, I call myself the creative visionary. I'm always seeing certain things and I'm always redesigning it all the time. And it's just one of the gifts I had, I think. In SFX, where we both went um, sixth form college for, when I was studying, they didn't... Um, I got good grades in so many different so many different modules. And unfortunately, the good side is that I got good grades. The bad side is that I didn't know what field of creativity I wanted to go down. Mm. And then I was to go to Chelsea University of the Arts to study um, an advanced course. And as I did the advanced course, I learned about a guy called David Ajay, a black architect, UK-based architect. I was like, wow, this guy's work is phenomenal. And in that field, it's quite rare to find black architects. So yeah. to find one and see that his work was a work of excellence, I was like, yep, yeah, I want to do architecture. Studied that in Kingston, um, enjoyed Kingston. I lived my best life where I was partying more than I was studying. And unfortunately, that meant that I failed a few of my modules. So in one of the particular semester, one of the years... I passed semester one, but semester two, which I failed, meant that from September to December, I had no work to do. I had no one to hire me. Like, you want to hire me? Say what? No, 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 no. And as they say, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. And that's something yeah. that I did. And that was one of my first business, which was Treehouse Interactive. Treehouse Inn, rather, which had three branches. Treehouse Interactive, Treehouse Inspiration, and Treehouse Innovation. And that was like a where people can I was going to corporate companies to help them with their team bonding skills and I was also going to schools and um, community centres to help the young people know how to use their skills to the best of their ability 
I think growing up to answer the second part to your question, I think growing up with a single mother and seeing how she worked, I come from an entrepreneurial family. And I remember before I kind of got into business fully, I helped a lot of people. They were like, man, you'll be great in business. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to do architecture. But I think what happened was I love architecture. I just don't like the way it was taught for me. And I felt that it limited some of my many gifts and skills that I had that I wouldn't necessarily be able to haunt if I stayed in that particular profession. And that's where I think the world of entrepreneurship was just a whole field. It gives you the flexibility and the freedom to bring something to life that you've probably never seen or bring a smile, bring a change to people's lives as well. So that was more of my background. And I think people say, you you, you um, brought up the point about, oh, Emmanuel, you're always smiling this, that, and the other. And I think genuinely speaking, if there's one thing I always say that life is for living. Like, <laughs> literally. Like, like, man, you're like, I could be jokey one moment, and I could be extremely serious one moment, but both sides are part of living, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's a bit about my background. Hopefully that was succinct enough so I don't yeah. eat until this time. No, so you brought up some really good things, like about the creative visionary and then also building a door. Um, why, why the term creative visionary? Because that could be taken either as like I guess it'd be interesting to how you to expand on how you kind of got that phrase or coined that phrase yeah I think it was, it was a self-coined phrase um, I don't necessarily believe in terms where it's self-made like well not <laughs> God made but in that term it was self, it was a, it was a self-coined <laughs> phrase um, and I think it was just one of those ones where I've helped so many different people and sometimes when I did a lot of consultancy some of the ideas I brought to the table was was a game changer in their business and the question that you asked, like, how did how did you know that? I'm like, I don't. All I know is that in the conversation with you, I'm reforming the Rubik's Cube of the ideas and the identity of your business that you shared with me. And as I'm reforming it, I'm beginning to come up with solutions and design bridges in order to find find you getting from step A to Z. Yeah. So in a sense in my mind, I'm visualizing the outcome. Yeah. And then I'm designing it, and then I'm telling them what I see. And they're like, how did you do that? And unfortunately, that was probably one of my problems that I had in university. So for architecture, for any of your listeners and followers that are watching or listening into this, one of the problems that we had in architecture is when you come up with a design, a building or whatever, mm. you have, I can't even remember the term, but you have a, like a class where they do the review. So each person in the class will come up and say what they designed and why but they also want to see your design process your design mm-hmm. process and I got they were like Manuel your final outcome is amazing but we can't see your design process where's your design process I'm like I designed it in my head <laughs> like no no we want to see the steps we want to see the rubbish design then stage two mm-hmm. stage three, I'm like no I, I did that in my head and it almost became like something similar to what we see in the hip hop industry where they're like um, Jay-Z and Biggie Smalls never wrote down their lyrics they yeah. formulate rhymes in their head and I do the same thing to some degree where by the time I put it on paper it's just a few minor changes for some of the product based stuff that we have for one of my companies and my work but like where did you get inspiration from like a lot of it is just combobulating ideas and it's just fixed that Ruby's key in my head and I think that fully coins that the, the creative visionary where I have a vision of something and I'm creating it and then I'm bringing it to manifestation yeah so you also mentioned about building a door and um, for my listeners, this is one of the things that I want to really bring 
to the table and also highlight is about, you know, is it that you have to break down the door? Is it that you have to build the door? And yeah, it's just great to hear you talk about the fact that you actually had to, to build that door. So it'd be good to kind of expand on that and share a little bit more as well. Yeah, I think when I um, first got into business, because I tried to look for jobs and they didn't take me, my pride kicks in. I'm like, me? A whole me? No, no, no. Oh, me. <laughs> a whole me. And then I was like, what am I going to do? And I was reading probably a life-changing book for me in the business field, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, it's, a, it's for, a book I probably need to go and revisit because I haven't read it for nearly what, 10, 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And it really began to show me how I have the opportunity and the power to create certain things within the world, whether it be business, in the field of entrepreneurship. And then I began to see my family dynamic and my mom was a big entrepreneur. My, my granddad was into tailoring back home in Nigeria and he was a massive, massive um, big player in that field in his local state in Nigeria. So there was so much in there. And I think building that door for me as well, I realised that sometimes you don't necessarily fit into the systems that society is constructed. So I shared with you how architecture was shit, was taught. And I love architecture, but I just didn't enjoy the way it was taught. And I didn't fit in. I was unorthodox. I, I couldn't, like, we love your final designs. We love your model making. We, we see it being built. But the way we teach, we mark you based off the process. Yeah. And that became a problem. And sometimes you realise that everyone was always trying to sit on the table that everyone else is on. And I'm like, sometimes you need to build your own table and sit alone and then invite others to it. And I think that's something I always wanted to kind of do. I'm also a big believer in legacy. I think for myself, I'm growing up with a single mom. I never meet my biological father. still never meet him until for 33 years and ongoing. I realised that life is also not about what you actually obtain, but also what you're able to leave behind. And for me, I think building that door and building that table meant that if I can go through it, it also provides an avenue for other people to potentially say, if this young man from Peckham who I could have gone down the wrong roads of life can literally get to where he is now by the grace of God, how many more other people can also follow suit in that? So how did you feel the fear and do it anyway? Because, you know, for, for a number of individuals, you know, creating that table and or even knowing what that table will even look like. How did you take that first step to, to do that? Yeah, I think because I worked with a lot of young people um, when I was first applying for the job, mainly within football coaching and all these other companies that are now where I was fully booked, my pride got me started. My pride and my ego like, what, me? No. <laughs> and doing that, that's when I decided to build Treehouse. And it was actually Treehouse Inspiration before I refined it back to Treehouse Inn so that I can have the three subsidiaries of inspiration, interactive, and innovation. Mm-hmm. And Treehouse Inspiration, as I said again, working in schools, community centres, doing some workshops, creating workshops to help in their self-esteem. And I always say that whatever you truly can't give away is never truly yours. Whatever you truly cannot give away is never truly yours. So I was able to design all of these things. And sometimes whoever was the teachers can literally use my products, my services, and implement it and, and use it there. And when it got to the corporate companies, they might hire me on a one-time basis and realize, why don't we just buy the equipment that Emmanuel's using and try and do something in-house? And my my focus was always about giving value. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the key word there, one of the things that stop people is a word or a title I call, I call purpose paralysis. 
where you know you're called to do something, but you don't want to quite move. One of the, my, my, my stumbling blocks was when I first started building Treehouse in, I had that perfectionism syndrome. Always adding, always adding, always adding. And then the developer's like, Emmanuel, you keep adding stuff. I'm like, yeah, just do it. How much more? I'll pay for it. Don't worry, don't worry. Always adding, always adding, always adding. But what people are not aware of sometimes is that perfectionism is actually fear. Sometimes we try to perfect something because we're scared that if the rest of the world sees it and they don't like it, it diminishes our personhood, which mm-hmm. isn't always the case. So I was always doing that. And then unfortunately, that first business, which I invested so much money, my student loan money, my savings and everything, nearly £20,000 at a literally a tender age of what, um, 23, 21? gone down the drain because I was always trying to add to the online platform. By the time my developers gave it to me, the exterior looked good. Yeah. But when you began to click, it had so many bugs and so many things were broken. Mm. So, and it, it it just, it hit me. And that's when I, it took me down the route of consultancy because I still had an office and I had a year contract. So I can't just pack up and leave, even though that yeah. business wasn't taken. Like, How am I going to keep my myself afloat? And that's when I decided to use all the things I've learned in business pertaining to marketing, branding, and business models to kind of help startups and existing companies kind of scale. But the word I was going to kick on with was the word anxiety. And the middle letter in the, in the seven of the letters in the word anxiety is the letter I. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes what holds people back, they're always thinking of I. What if they look at me? What if I get it wrong? And I'm like, no. When you understand that true entrepreneurship is about service and selflessness before it's about money and positioning yourself on a pedal stool, you understand how much hours you put in, you understand how much you understand, you always keep that the customer's always right, even when they're wrong at times. <laughs> and you're always because you're trying to add value and bring value to the world and to the table that other people can feed off from. Yeah. And if you're focused on that, you focus less on yourself in order to see how your product or service can be a blessing and a benefit to them. So just expand on that. Like, I think that's the first time I've ever really heard someone talk about entrepreneurship as more of a service than something to do with maybe like a legacy or um, trying to build their own kind of empire. Why do you take that approach as entrepreneurship being more of a service than, than anything else? I think it's partially the personality, the person, the personality that I have, and the person that I am. And one of the things I always used to do, which probably shows why I'm also in ministry, my mom was that you're Emmanuel, you're always helping everybody, you're helping everybody, you help everybody too much, too much, too much. And I always said, imagine if they say the greatest jobs are the jobs that you can work for the rest of your life and never get bored of it, then helping people should also be the same. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you're able to help people and get paid for it. Like, what a gift, what an opportunity to live, like to really, really live, you know? And I think for me, that was my view and focus. And because I believe life in itself, no matter what you do, is service. No man is an island. Every great business is all about service. Show me a business that doesn't serve a person, you realize there's no business there at all. Because every business has to connect to people. I was making a joke and I, I don't want to bring too much propaganda on this live, but I remember I was bringing up a joke with everyone's, I don't know, you probably had the WhatsApp messages on, oh my days, 5G is killing everyone, it's 5G, 5G, 5G. <laughs> one of my friends was having a conversation, they're like, if 5G was invented to kill everybody, who's going to be paying to use the 5G? No one. 
<laughs> so it began to show me more and more that business is built for people. Mm. And anything that's built for people, people are willing to pay handsomely for that if you serve them in a particular need or a desire that's, that they're looking for. So how does one find that need or how do they find the purpose so that they don't then get the paralysis that you mentioned earlier? I would say push past the pain and push past the passiveness. And sometimes the pain is something that hasn't yet existed, but they've allowed it to manifest before it even exists, before it comes to, to, to their lives. And that's why we see certain quotes that 90, um, 90% of the things that you fear won't even happen to you, which isn't always true, but sometimes people are always so worried. Yeah, danger is real, but fear is still perception, you know? Yeah, and I think sometimes yeah. we allow ourselves to get so scared and so fearful of these things. And maybe my upbringing of growing up in the concrete jungle of Peckham, South East London, allowed me to grow resilience. We've seen, they're telling me about worrying about what people are going to think about me. We've seen guns. We've seen people shot. We've seen, yeah, we've seen yeah, yeah. Staircases. And that's and that's why I love when I see gangsters or people that are still trying to live this road life, so to speak. I always tell you, you guys are the best entrepreneurs because life is about risk and reward. Everything you do is risk and reward. When you get on a plane, there's no guarantee it's going to land somewhere. There's mm-hmm. there's still a percentage that this might not land, right? The truth yeah. be told, but we never do that. When you get into a car, there's still a percentage that there could be an accident. To be a man on the road, knowing that what you're doing to get a financial gain and the consequences, if you're to use that same energy and focus and resilience in the field of entrepreneurship, you're flying. And all they need is just to pivot that energy into a place of purpose. But what could purpose be defined as? Purpose could be defined as your gift, your passion. And sometimes what I've shared with people that if if you were to do a job for a whole year and never get paid, what potential job would that be? Mm. Purpose. You know, yeah, so, yeah. and I think we've all been gifted with purpose. And sometimes purpose doesn't always mean you being at the forefront. It might mean you serving in a business, an organization, a charity, or school, whatever it might be, in order to see greater change outlive you. Mm. So you touched upon um fear, which is great because the uh, third section of the pod is actually called Feeling the Fear and Doing It Anyway. Um, so can you tell us a time when you you felt that fear and you've challenged yourself to kind of go beyond your means? Oh, um... I'm actually trying to... And this is, it probably sounds rude and egotistical. I'm like, when was the last time I was scared, scared that I didn't do it? And the, probably the reason why I'm pausing is because I don't allow the thoughts to stay in my mind long enough. I react straight away. Mm. And I, it's kind of like trying to think, I hope that makes sense anyway. I'm actually trying to think, when was I last really scared of doing something, maybe between business? If it's not business, it's mainly when I invite to host. And by usually host an event or a wedding ceremony or a business event, and sometimes I'm like, oh my days, hundreds of people there. Okay, there's hundreds of people there. But the fear is that I want to make sure I deliver. I don't want to start on my words. I don't want to, mm. I'm not the best of readers. So if I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I don't want to spell something or say it incorrectly. 
or yeah. reading. I don't know if this happens to you, but I'm reading, but I'm thinking what's going on in around me. <laughs> and I'm almost reading on autopilot and I'm hoping I haven't missed that a word. So all those thoughts come in and sometimes I have to remind myself, push past that. And at the end of the day, people will always remember how you made them feel. Hmm. How you made them feel. And when I remember the positives, one of my personal quotes I always say, whatever the mind focuses on expands. Mind continues to focus on the pain, the flaws, the fear, then that's what's going to continue to expand. If your mind focuses on people are going to laugh, people are going to be blessed, we're going to say thank you. That's what you need to focus on. There's something interesting that happens even to the human mind in, in psychology. And we've seen this over and over again. If you bring out an album, right? And you put up a post on your fit on your Instagram. Album just launched, guys. Yeah, my first ever album. I've been working, typical words, sweat, blood, and tears. And everything <laughs> right? All the comments come in. If you had your phone in your hand, you would have come, congratulations, well done, well done, well done. One comment, what does she think she knows it all? She thinks he's great. Or he thinks he's great. Look at him, he thinks he, he thinks he knows it all. Not, if there was a hundred comments and there's one negative one, why does the mind always gravitate to the negative one? Yeah. Why? It's, it's, it's human nature. Maybe our survival instincts. But again, it, it, it takes a disciplined, active, pushing past the pain and the barriers to say, I am more than my fears, I'm more than my flaws, and I'm more than my past failings. And learn that life is not about losses, it's all about lessons. But life is about, that's all perception. So it all depends on the perception that you take. And I always try in the milliseconds of my mind that just do it, just get it done. And sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes I've, I've broken business deals and I'm like, I like the idea of that, I like the standard. Yeah, let's go with it. And I'm like, oh my days, man. In hindsight, why did I rush? I should have taken more time. I should have done my due diligence, so on and so forth. So it does vary. But the main thing is that I don't beat myself up for the mistakes I made. And I love the um, Michael Jordan quote. It's an old one, and I'll paraphrase that. I've missed a thousand jump shots. I've done this and that, the other. But everyone always remembers the ones that he scored. But he's he's missed more than he's actually yeah. succeeded. The thing is that are you going to continue to persevere and push past the problems, the barriers, and the pain that you believe stands before you? So how? Because I know how I kind of push past that fear, and um, like one of the things that I I do is if it scares me, I have to do it. And like when I, I remember um, teaching my little sister about going on, um, you know, when you go to like a theme park and it's like a roller, and it's like a really large roller coaster. Yeah. And I remember the first time we went to um, a roller coaster, went on a roller coaster. Sorry, um, I was like, we've got to go on it because it scares you. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, it scares you, so we've got to do it because then you can conquer it. And I remember saying that to her, and. Ever since that moment, if like if we were to go on a, a road a roller coaster um, ride, she would literally say the same. She was like, "Okay, that's the biggest one. That scares me. I'm definitely going to do it." So for me, it's it's okay. I've got to be like, okay, if it scares me, that means I care enough about it. It mm. means that I genuinely want this idea to succeed or to to be followed through so what kind of steps do you take to is it that you know I don't know some people do like 100 push-ups for example (laughs) I'm similar to some degree one thing apart from the fear of God I believe that whatever you fear rules you Mm. 
But if you allow those things to rule you, again, I'm competitive. And I've learned that I haven't actually lost that competitive edge. I haven't lost it. I'm just trying to temper it so I don't allow my, my losses to get the better of me. Like, we played blackjack and another game, me and my pastor and one of the other brothers from the media team yesterday on Sunday after service. And <laughs> the way I banged it, they were like, oh, how did I lose? And, but they knew this. We just had a good laugh about it. I'm just competitive. It's the energy with inside of me. But talking about the steps, depending on what those steps are, I would say sometimes my naivety probably allows me to keep pushing past the thing because I'm always like, the pain of regret to never do or the pain of trying and failing. And I prefer the latter. I always prefer the latter. And I, I want to try it. And I want to try because my mind is focused on legacy. Like, what would happen if Isaac Newton stops at... I'll give up like I always say how many times have you ever seen a baby and forgive me I probably haven't given you the steps I'm going down a whole rant right now but how many times have you ever seen a baby crawl try and walk and it gives up like yeah I don't want to walk anymore forget it for the rest of my life I'm just going to crawl <laughs> no. and that's why I've learned that the mind is like a muscle so some of my steps differ depending on what um, the, the task at hand is mm-hmm. some of those things might be like I literally just have to do it like I literally just something just switches in my mind and I just do it. And I'm going to tell you a very interesting story why I did um, um, the 50 challenges. So I did it about four years ago, I did 50 challenges. I put it out on social media and people meant to send me the challenges that they want me to do. Yeah. Some of them were wild. I wear a pink suit for the whole day, walk from your house to central London and walk home for that day. But the one that was the hardest one, and I think really relates to this, was sit or lie down in a public, busy train station for a minimum of 10 minutes. What? I'll, I'll see if I can find a video on my, my Instagram. If it's yeah. there. Or I'm sure I've got a video on YouTube. Yeah, I've got, definitely got a video on YouTube. Sit or lie down in a busy train station for 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, light work. I got my friend, if you're any of your viewers and yourself familiar with um, Liverpool Street Station, yeah. You know Liverpool Street Station, peak time? Peak time. I got one of the Metro newspapers. I went down, I told my friend he was by the balcony where the McDonald's is. The bro film from, film from there. I'm going to sit right there, right in the heat of the battle. I'm going to sit right there. I had a paper out, so I was just going to use that as a distraction. I think there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a crash, but there was something that was happening. Some people were losing jobs that month. Mm-hmm. As I crossed my legs to, to sit down, Whoa, I, I couldn't sit down. Like, my legs couldn't sit down. I couldn't bend my legs. I couldn't sit down. I was like, what is happening? Wow. Fear gripped me, but I couldn't feel it. I just knew that my legs couldn't bend. All the force came in. What happens if you sit down, someone that's just lost it? The people are getting sacked left, right, and center in the seat. Yeah. What happens if someone's there with his coffee? He's like, look at this chap, throw coffee on me, and I become a, a world meme. Like, what? Like, I'm just. Uh, no, yeah. it just fear gripped me. I went back to my boy, Matthew. He said, hey, what's up? I said, I can't sit down. He said, why not? I said, I'm trying, but my legs are not bending. Now, <laughs> 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 that, that, that one, that fear gripped me real big. And I remember going back, and I almost felt like that Neo in The Matrix 1, <laughs> when he's running and he's scared, and that one moment when he realises the penny drops, and Agent Smith has got nothing on him. And he realises that as long as he's in control of himself, 
he can deal with the enemy in front of him. And mm. I remember, I opened the paper. What do I usually read in the Metro? Sports. Turn it to the sports page. Focus on the sports page. Bend my legs and start reading. And I just focused in on that. Focus. I didn't look around. Because I knew the moment you look around, distractions kick in. Fear creeps in one second. I didn't look around. And I remember doing it. I don't even time myself. I remember going back to Matthew with the footage. Matthew said, they look at all the people. Look what they're looking at you. The video is humorous. And it was just... It made you realise that one of the greatest enemies is not the people that you think are against you. It's the enemy within. But the best way to conquer the enemy within is to literally challenge that as soon as you sense it. Literally as soon as you sense it. And I think when I went to skydive, people always ask, was you scared? Was you scared? I'm like, when you're willing to skydive to raise money for charity, yeah. and I've raised so much money, and I'm right there, I realise if I don't jump, some of these kids ain't going to eat. So that's what I said. Whatever my focus is on expands. Mm-hmm. I was doing my life in that moment. I was like, I have to jump to raise this money. And it's just, it's, it's really zeroing on your focus rather than letting fear rule you. But I, I don't know if that was three points and I'm not sure if that was Well, no, I think, I think what you kind of said is about, you know, like focusing on a particular subject and that subject could be whatever that activity is. So if it is launching a business, it, it's focusing on that. Um, and also you did mention about not getting distracted. So I think those are definitely the two key takeaways that one can take from that. If I was to put a third one, I'll just say keep the end goal in mind, literally. Because you're having the end goal in mind allows you to keep that focus, regardless of the noise and the mishaps that's going on in and around you. Mm. Um, the penultimate section is taking the L or take the L. Um, so what's the biggest lesson you feel like you've learned and how did you bounce back? What steps did you take or um, how did you overcome that lesson? Great question. I'm, some people, if you don't mind me saying so, you, you ask these questions to some people and they always tell you about past historical things that happened that they've got over. I'm currently going through one of my greatest lessons. Mm-hmm. And there are not losses, there are lessons. Around about end of November, business was beginning to pick up. Investors were getting paid, we were beginning to churn certain things. But a few mishaps within some business partnerships plateaued and plummeted our business to fall flat on its face. It was my biggest loss in business to date. Literally, I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. I had my head in my hands. I was like, no way. I already started planning the trajectory of some of the things we'll be using with the new funding that was coming in mm. and got flat on his face. And what was annoying, it wasn't even just that business, it was multiple ones. It was like, mm. is there some spiritual attack going on? Like, why me? What is happening? <laughs> and I remember trying the gears to kind of get the gears and the cogs moving for all of those businesses simultaneously. And the more I tried pertaining, especially when you're running big businesses and you have investors and you have things to pay out and you have overheads mm. if you have small money it's very hard to have enough to keep running the business and have enough to pay the overheads and the investors and it really hit hard there was times I remember waking up in the morning and I was in bed I'm like how the heck am I going to get over this how am I going to get past this hurdle then I was like you know what as we always say you need money to make money two things you need in order to create growth and within the context of business, money and ideas. Sometimes ideas being the primary thing, and if you have a great idea, then you put money behind it, it speeds up the process. Yeah. We took another loan, 
coronavirus kicks in. Coronavirus! It is real! Um, coronavirus kicks in. All over again. I couldn't believe it. It's like, oh, that was a parachute package to get us out of this mess. Yeah. Now I'm in a deeper hole with a deeper debt of investments. I'm like, what? And then um, one of the things I was talking for me, everyone is different for each person. Pray and have the right perspective. And for me, praying, I'm like, you know, God, give me clarity on what I need to do here. And having the right perspective that the businesses haven't been taken from me, therefore I can level up all over again. So what's happened since then is that, that sometimes pain is a great way to have a greater compounding effect of on the current position that you find yourself in. And I think that's why even Bill Gates said, like, success is a lousy teacher. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going well, you get here, but when it's this, now I've had to think outside the box. I have to think extra creatively, quote, unquote, the creative visionary, right? I'm thinking mm-hmm. of all these things. And what's happened since then, I've now put new systems in place. I've now got new partnerships. We're beginning to turn the cogs. We're beginning to see certain changes moving. And we're beginning to see that there is even a greater growth of our network internationally. So sometimes pain is to help you get outside of your comfort zone. Because your comfort zone is cool, but nothing great always grows there. And I think for me, that's been, it's been one of the most painful hits, but probably a blessing in disguise that I'm still going on. And and I'm looking forward to seeing what the end of 2020 and the rest of this decade has in store for me and the team. That is absolutely amazing. Um, We are almost coming to a close. Um, and this section is just a quick fire round, um, a little bit of lighthearted fun. So for my listeners to kind of get to know you and know a little bit uh, about what you do and your team, uh, literally just have to say the first thing that comes into your head when I finish the phrase that I'm going to say. So for example, if I said uh, oranges, what would you say? Cool. So literally just like that. Um, so the section is called Revelations. So time I wake up is? Parfait. Usual breakfast? Oh, it depends. It could be toast. Um, it could be cereal. I have my cereal warm now, so that it warms up my belly and it gets me active. <laughs> Most played song? Oh, um, The Blessing by... Bethel slash Elevation Worship. Last TV show you watched? I haven't watched one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently watching the MJ, the MJ one, but I've got so many Netflix things, but I'm so engulfed in business. It's, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to watch TV at all. Favourite book? Oh, the Bible, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, yeah. Current food craving? Oh, Gambretti Espinazzi homemade, Vapiano's very own. Gambretti Espinazzi. And I've been making my own homemade version with the prawns. And I believe my version is better than Vapiano's now. So that £10 I'm spending, I'm still spending at home. But now I get four courses. Now I get four. <laughs> Same thing. Um, your safe space. Watching my United win. <laughs> 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 um, my safe space and being with people sharing like being a great visionary exercising my gifts I come alive there like seeing that when I can give and someone's like how did I do that I'm like oh my days how did I do that someone's like firing up 
oh, where, where did that come from? So I'll say that's my safe space. By the end of 2020, I will. By the end of 2020, I will get my business back to seven figures. And I would have completed two of the three books I've been writing for the past two years. But I've been procrastinating on it, just trying to fit everything in. Cool. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? Uh, do you want to list out some of your social media and like any other websites and stuff? Um, all things um, Emmanuel Anthony, that's E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. All platforms, Emmanuel Anthony. You can also check me out on my website, which is emmanuelanthony.co.uk. But all social media handles, Emmanuel Anthony. If you have any questions, hit me up. If you'd like to buy into any of our services, hit me up. But the main thing, make sure you're achieving your goals and living your best life in Christ. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. That was so much fun. Um, yeah, I'm so thoroughly uh, thrilled that we were able to catch up. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to share, subscribe and connect with us on social media at The Reveal Pod.